0: All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the Retro Futurist Podcast, part of Ruination's Radio Network. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Robert Woodhead. One of the founders of Animago. Animago is an amazing company that's been bringing anime to the United States for many years. They started in 1989. They have been translating high-quality Japanese anime and live-action films. Uh, They've brought over many classics, including Bubblegum Crisis, Yurase Yatsura, Orange Road, Oh My Goddess. They also did a really nice box set of SDF Macross uh, they've done a lot of great live-action films: Lone Wolf and Cub, Lady Snowblood, Sleepy Eyes of Death. Uh, one of my favorites is Shinobi Nomano. If you haven't seen that and you like ninja, check that out. I'm very excited to bring on the founder, Robert Woodhead. We're going to talk about their latest release, the Megazone Two Three Blu-ray remastered box set. If you don't have it, you're going to want to get this. Go to Animego.com. Check that out. Without further ado, Robert, how are you doing, sir?
1: Oh, pretty good. Getting you know, getting over the the what we call the hell of perpetual shipping, which happens when we release one of these box sets.
0: I gotta say, I got your email when you know I backed the Kickstarter for this two years ago, three years ago. I yeah, don't remember when not, you launched. it. Not quite it. that long.
1: It was about a year and a
0: half. Year and a half, okay. And when I got the email that said, "Here's your shipping notice." Don't freak out if you don't get it right away. It was only a couple of days later that it showed up at my house. So, uh, you guys are very efficient with your shipping of your products. Once, once those emails go out, um, and, uh, like I said, I was very, very pleased with this box set, quite, quite pleased, very happy with it.
1: Well, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, a pretty complicated one, Pr- probably the most complicated, uh, limited edition we've done. And, uh, you know i I was absolutely sweating bullets that there wouldn't be a, a problem with it whenever we we do one of these releases there's always this like two week period of abject paranoia when it's you know it's been sent out and we're just waiting for somebody to say, "Oh, there's this massive problem you know and uh you know thankfully on on this one there there hasn't been uh any any real big problems? A couple of minor little glitches, but nothing of any note.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah, the now um, I'll, I'll, I want to get into the video remaster here in a minute. But um, so just to give people a heads up, you guys started Animago in 1989, and this kind of came out of your programming background because you got a machine that could put subtitles on VHS tapes and you had a buddy that was heavily involved with an anime club or he was like your co-worker when you were programming the Wizardry video game series, right? Yeah. Um,
1: His name was Roe Adams and uh, uh, he was the uh, game designer for Wizardry 4. Um, And uh, so we've been working together very closely on that project. Uh, And he was a big anime fan. Uh, back in the days when, you know, people watched anime at uh, a club with a seventh generation VHS dub. Right. And there was like <laughs> the one poor bastard um, who knew Japanese and would do a live translation.
0: You oh know? my gosh. I bet yeah. some of those, I bet some of that was hilarious because the way they would have to live translate things may not always <laughs> be uh at the speed they could keep up with or and or ad-libbed right
1: you basically it was a summary you know right so so anyway it, it, it was just one of these things uh i had a, a new piece of hardware that could uh put uh, graphics on top of video and uh he said well can you do uh, could you do subtitling with this um And I said, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, pixels are pixels. Um, And uh, so he said, well, I'd like to try subtitling some of the anime so I could, you know, show it at the club. Um, And I was going over to Japan all the time uh, on computer game business. And I said, well, you know, I'm always going to Japan. You know, why don't I get a license and we could try selling this? um, you know, for real, uh, as, as a, um, as a business. And when we had stopped laughing at how stupid this idea was, and I'm, people don't believe me. We were literally laughing so hard at how dumb this idea was that we could barely breathe, you know, that kind of, that kind of hysterical laughter. Like
0: tears streaming out of your face yeah, it's rolling like, on the
1: floor. I'm not kidding. This is absolute, the honest truth Uh, you know, we, we were laughing that hard about how dumb this idea was. And then it was like, when we stopped
0: laughing, it was like,
1: yeah, sure. Why not?
0: Let's try it. What well, you know, just for That's shits amazing. and giggles. That's amazing. Uh, and you guys, um, like I said, I was in, I was about in high school when I first saw one of your official products which was i believe Bubblegum Crisis episode 1 VHS those things on tapes <laughs> and uh it blew me away um i loved it and i anytime i saw your name animego i knew i was going to get something really good there's a lot, i have a lot of favorites from your catalog that i'll probably gush about um so you guys got busy translating anime and bringing it over to the States, and you've gone from VHS. And I remember your first DVD, the first DVD I saw from you guys was, again, it was Bubblegum Crisis, and it was in a, at a PC game store. It was in like a computer box. Was yeah. that like a sub-license, or did you guys do that? Because I remember that was the first one. then you did a second Bubblegum Crisis DVD set that was in more traditional packaging. But the first set was in like a computer box.
1: Yeah, we we sublicensed it out because we didn't really have any experience with uh, with doing DVDs, uh, and uh, so it was basically uh, a way to you know dip our toe into that market and see see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And then you know it did well, so obviously we we started doing it ourselves and and
0: uh, and you know we've been
1: you know kind of chugging along ever since
0: yeah um and i remember i want to say it was comic-con when did you guys release dagger kamui on dvd it was like comic-con 07 or 08 i was out there and you guys had a booth and it was the you hadn't even shipped them out yet but you brought some with you and that's one of my favorites from your you had it on VHS first. As soon as I was at the booth and I was like, wait, you have this on DVD? And I grabbed it, snatched it right up. I would buy that on Blu-ray if you guys did a Blu-ray release of that one for sure.
1: It's definitely something we'd like to do.
0: Yeah. The other one that I really um one of my favorites that you've haven't released on D V D or Blu-ray, and I don't know if it's a licensing thing or rights thing or what it was uh Genesis Survivor guy Earth. I really liked the that OVA. Um that was one of my favorites in your catalog.
1: Yeah, it's a um, combination of a lot of different things. Uh, you know, how well it's sold, licensing. Uh, in the case of, of re-releasing stuff on Blu-ray, a lot of times the, the problem is materials in that, uh, the, you know, the, they just can't find the original film, so we can't do an HD transfer.
0: Ah, um, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they don't seem to be as uh, obsessed with storing their uh, anime the way that the American cinema, the American Hollywood productions store their movies now. Uh, I've noticed this with the Hong Kong film industry, too. Like, there's a ton of great uh, classic martial arts Jackie Chan pictures that they don't have an HD remaster of. They may actually be lost to time itself. Yeah.
1: well, uh, it, it's often just the case that the materials exist, but nobody knows exactly where they are.
0: Oh, so, that could be a problem too. Uh, right? Uh,
1: that that was the that was the issue with with Maddox. It was.
0: And that, Maddox is what you guys are going to do next. Yep.
1: Right. Uh, it was just that. Um, a couple of documents have been lost and those and the, and the film was just sitting at Tokyo developing labs, Tokyo Genzo show uh, for like the last 30 plus years. Um, But the, the, the people who knew it was there, well, Tokyo Genzo show knew it was there, but the people who knew that Tokyo Genzo show knew uh, had moved on or the document had been lost and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was, you know, literally purely by accident that um, somebody, you know, found a document that said, "Oh, here's a list of everything of our, our titles that uh, the Tokyo Gensel Show has," and Maddox was on the list, and and right under it, literally, was Project ACO, uh, which was, you know. Which everyone thought the.
0: It was lost, right? That it was
1: lost, and they were doing an HD upscale and everything like that. And they apparently had, you know, were just getting into doing that when I noticed that ACO was on there and I, I sent off an email um, and said, hey, do you guys know that the, the film exists? And they're going, like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's how all, all that big thing about ACO being, being saved happened. It was just like, you know, Pure accident.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you guys have always done great stuff. So uh, Maddox will be your next remastered release. You're going to do another Kickstarter for that, like you've done with the last few. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there a time frame when that's going to go live?
1: I'm thinking probably um, early next month. We ju- we're just uh, right now we're just kind of gathering together all the materials to make sure like we've got enough sete to uh, to do a really nice art book because we really like doing the art books.
0: Uh, I like you guys doing the art books too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's, it's 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 a preservation thing. You want to make sure that that the materials are available for you know people 20, 40 years from now who 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 want to study you know the history of, of all the stuff so you, so when we do these limited editions, uh, you know one of the things that's always in the back of our minds is is ma- is making sure to preserve everything for uh, for the future that's um, awesome
0: yeah and you guys your your current releases are phenomenal um, let's let's talk about your latest release, and that would be the whole reason I had you on the show to talk about megazone two three um like we were talking about earlier you started the kickstarter about a year and a half or so ago uh what why did you guys go after megazone two three we had a previous release in the u.s by adv who i think is now defunct and then before that streamline had released part one and before that megazone two three had been turned into part of robotech as robotech the movie but that was abandoned um why did you guys go after megazone 2-3? Um-
1: it you know the opportunity presented itself and you know it's kind of a no-brainer i mean it's it's the first real successful ova ever you know it is hugely important in the history of of the anime industry so like you know you it it's like how can you say no to that? I mean, it's it literally is a no brainer. It's like, oh,
0: we right. can do Megazone. So okay, that's awesome. Who? How did you guys find out that you could get Megazone, or how did that process come about?
1: Well, um, it uh, Megazone the license comes from AIC, who, of course, you know, we have a long history with. Um, ah, okay. Um, and, you know, the, the, the right situation was a little bit complicated. It had to get straightened out. Uh, it took, it literally took two, two and a half years to, to, you know, line all the ducks up in a row to, uh, to be able to do it. But, uh, you know, once that got done, um, you know, the, the process was relatively straightforward.
0: Right. I'm just going to read a little blurb here for our listeners. If you're not familiar with Megazone 2.3, it is a four-part Japanese retro future original video animation, originally created by Noboro Ishiguro, written by Hiroyuki Horishiyama and Emu Ari, and directed by various directors. We had Ishiguro on the first part one, Ichiro Itano for part two, Kenichi Yatagai, he's also in part two, right? And then Shinji Aramaki did part three, which was split into two um, right. parts. started in 1985. Uh, Megazone two, three story is set in the far future of the human race. After, in the early 24th century, various environmental issues rendered Earth and uninhabitable, forcing humanity to leave the planet in two massive colony ships, the titular Megazones. The story... Follows the population of Megazone Two Three based on 1985's Tokyo, Japan. Um, it, I remember, like I said, I I didn't even know about Megazone Two Three. I think it was about eighty nine or 90. It was around the time I first discovered you guys with Bubblegum Crisis. I was um, heavily into role playing games, and I was playing the Robotech role playing game. And I saw a Robotech art book at the bookstore for Robotech Art 3, The Sentinels, The Unfinished Sentinels Project. And in there, they described Robotech the movie, which was basically Megazone 2-3, and there was some art um, of the garland and whatnot. And that was my first exposure. I didn't see it till much later. Um, for those that are not too familiar, uh, Novoro Ishiguro, the director of Part 1, was also the director of Superdimensional Fortress Macross. So that was a that was a pretty pretty cool thing to have, and, and then Shinji Aramaki er, also worked on uh, Mospeta, which was part of Robotech as well. So it's kind of interesting that these guys are all like the original anime pioneers. They're,
1: they're all the OGs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so you guys acquired the license, and was the did AIC remaster, or did you guys remaster the video for this? Well, no,
1: no, there, there was a, a Japanese uh, release, a Japanese Blu-ray release, a few years back that we got all the materials from. Uh, so, so our uh, with a couple of exceptions of very minor exceptions, our release is kind of a superset of their release. There are a couple things in it that we couldn't get the rights to, the, some live action uh, music performances that we couldn't uh, obtain the rights to. So we don't have those. We've got Megazone Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, the International Edition, which is a version of Part 2 that um, Streamline did that has an extra prologue on it. We've got the A Division's dubs. We've got uh, the Streamline Pictures dub of both of that international edition and of the the first megazone part one. Yeah, I gotta give a big thank you to Mach Machak Masek, sorry, <laughs> uh, who who made it possible for us to to get the that dub and put it on. So you know, thank you very much for that. Again, that's you know, important for the history. We want to, we want to do that. Uh, We got all the subtitles. uh, We did a documentary. uh, We did uh, commentary tracks, um, all the artworks on the disc, you know, it's actually a two disc set. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we basically stuffed everything we possibly could into this.
0: Yeah. And that, um, that extra prologue that's on the international edition of part two, was actually footage that Harmony Gold commissioned AIC to animate to add to the end of the original Megazone because it had a really downer of an ending. And since they were using it for Robotech the movie, they had them commission that little extra sequence, and then they added it to the International Edition, which they then had Innersound, which was the production company at Harmony Gold, and Carl Masik directed them um, for that English dub where they changed... They changed a couple of the names uh, and they used that for international flights so that Japanese people could uh, help them practice their English, I believe is what the purpose of that original version was.
1: Uh, I'm, yeah, I've heard things like that. You probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and I, I was really, uh, as a huge fan of uh, Robotech and the history of anime, I was really touched at you guys threw out a special thanks to Carl Masick in the liner notes. Cause I mean, he was like you guys, he was one of the pioneers that was trying to get anime like translated and accepted and not butchered in the United States. Like some of the earlier, you know, there were those best for kids videos where they would cut all the violence out and do a really bad English dub and then release uh, stuff in the United States. And it was far removed from its original uh, story. So I thought that was nice that you guys had a shout out there. To my knowledge, like I guess saying this is the third time we've gotten Megazone. Uh, it's definitely the best Megazone two three release in the U.S. right now. Um, we had the ADV DVD, and then before that, Streamline had done part one. Um, so uh, the video quality is great. Did you guys have to adjust anything on the video quality from the Japanese release?
1: No, we we just. Um took their digital master and, uh, uh, you know, we, we have the uncompressed digital HD master and we then, um, you know, you know, re-encoded it. Um, and I think our bit rate's a bit higher than theirs, but, uh, you know, uh, the actual source material is exactly the same.
0: Oh, nice. I, I ran it, I'm running it, I ran the Blu-ray on, I have a 4K. Player, so it it upscans regular Blu-rays to 4K, and I, I watched it on a 4K HDR set, and it it looks amazing. It's very very high quality, very very beautiful. One of the things I've noticed though, um when you have a HD remaster of anime, is you see you can see the cells sometimes, which is not on VHS and on DVD, you wouldn't really see that, but you can almost see like the paint and the cells move because it's so high resolution. It sometimes it's sometimes kind of drawing like, oh, this is animation. But whereas before, the low resolution kind of hid some of that. So it's interesting to see. It's- yeah.
1: You, you, when you, One of the downsides of being in, on the production side is that you in, during the production process, you probably watch the film like 20, 30 times. So once you're done, you just like never want to watch it ever again. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I jokingly say that, that working you know, on one of these projects is working in the sausage factory, you know, you know, it, once you know how it's made, you never want to eat it again. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but you do see like the, there were a couple of, uh, like one frame edits that we made to the Japanese version to like. Uh, duplicate cells to, to cover, um, you know, the splicing mistakes and and stuff like that. And we did, you know, there are, there are some like really weird uh, stuff that you see when you, when you look very closely in the background, you see a lot of animation in jokes, but you also Mm -hmm. see, you also see uh, like filming errors. Uh, There are some frames where you can literally see that, you know, as you know, the, 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 yeah, often there'll be several cells stacked up uh, on, on, a, on a frame, you know, because they animate each character individually right. and stuff like that. Uh, of course, you know, as they're swapping the cells in and out to form the next frame, um, they, they're, they're supposed to, um, you know, clean with a little brush to make sure dust doesn't get in, but you still see specks of dust but the the hd version is good enough that you can actually see when uh an air bubble got trapped between two layers of cells and causes like the this kind of uh, little rainbow effect
0: ah i was it, wondering what what was making that
1: yeah there's it's it's like those rainbow effects you see on on uh uh puddles that have a little oil in them because of the different <laughs> thicknesses of uh, causing uh, an interference. Well, you can actually see uh, every so often. You'll see where where they didn't quite smooth down the cells right, and and a little piece of a little bit of air got trapped between two layers, and causes this little this weird little kind of rainbowy effect. So yeah, I mean that's uh, there's there's lots of stuff like that.
0: And this whole production has quite a torrid history. At least Megazone two three part. One, if you don't mind, I was just going to explain to some of the listeners that may not be as uh, into old classic anime as we are. Um, it originally started as a proposal for a TV series that was supposed to take the time slot uh, when Mospeda was done. And it was originally going to be called Omega City 2-3. Then it went to a name change to Vanity City 2-3. And then the toy company that was going to back the production backed out they had already started working on it and even animating some sequences and it got shortened to an OVA length and became Megazone 23 and they decided to do the direct to video market which at the time in Japan was mostly adult style uh, videos and there was Dallas was one of the only other uh, OVAs and I guess Megazone 23 broke the mold it sold well over what they thought and kind of started the OVA boom of uh, the mid '80s in Japan, and that led them to create Megazone Twenty Three Part Two, which is less messy as far as uh as uh the story is pretty linear. It follows a direct curve versus Megazone Two Three. There's a couple parts in that first movie. You're like, wait, what just happened? Like this <laughs> jump? They jump a couple spots, and you're just like, okay, you just kind of go with it. Um, did you guys notice any, or was there any any uh, extras? Left over from that Omega city two, three project. There's some in the book and your art book. Yeah. Um, and they, and you cover it on your secret history of Megazone really well, but was there any other stories about that era that you picked up when you guys got the license?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, uh, not, nothing like really significant, but, uh, the original pitch document, um, we, we got that, uh, both in, uh, in Japanese, and a translated version that a fan had done. And um, one of the things we do with all these projects is, is we put up all of the materials we've collected, um, uh, artwork and, and so on, on a wiki, wiki.animego.com, uh, And uh, so uh, those documents are all there. Um, you know, mostly so Internet Archive will will copy them and, and store them for us. There
0: you go. Great. So we'll be able to check all of that out. Uh, is that up on your wiki yet? Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the, I haven't a hundred percent finished um doing it, but I think almost everything, I mean we we put this we put the uh, we even have like the uh, the Japanese after recording scripts, just like because we can.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, this is if you're if you're a uh, anime buff and a history fan, you guys always go above and beyond the Call of Duty with these sets, as far as the amount of work that's put in here. And you always have uh, when you did. I pre ordered the sdf macross box set when you put that out in the early 2000s that was an expensive box set yeah <laughs> and this is before the kickstarter model you guys just wanted the money you're like we want I think it was two two fifty plus ten dollars shipping i think it was two sixty up front for the nine disc sdf macross remaster uh, and i gladly dumped the money there i was like yes give it to me <laughs> my wife yeah. thought i was crazy I still won and I still have that box that's sitting on my shelf right now. It's never leaving my house.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well um, you you might, you know, need to to use it to pay for somebody's college education. They're very valuable these days.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um we'll we'll see what's gonna happen. With there was some news. We'll get into that at the end. I wanna go back to the story of uh megazone. Um, so uh this was very much like one of the very first sort of cyberpunk Japanese anime stories and maybe influenced by what was going on in science fiction and American sci-fi. But I almost feel like they were just throwing, throwing a shot out. And I think they in turn inspired a whole bunch of Western storytelling, but, um, so they, they live on the ship, but they don't know it. They think they're living in the height of the eighties culture. Um, And uh, we have a young kid, Shogo Yohagi, who's like a motorcycle kid. He's an enthusiast. He's not quite, he's not a Bozozuku. He's not one of the Japanese street punks yet. Anyway, that'll come later. Um, His buddy brings him this bike and says, you got to hide this. The government's after me. And that kind of gets Shogo involved in this whole mess. That bike ends up being the Garland itself, which is a prototype. And it has a special computer program in it. There's a idol character named Eve who is like an AI that everybody loves her songs. And Shogo's the one that sort of finds out that they're not really living in the eighties and they're living on this ship and they're fighting some aliens called the Dezog. That's kind of the messy part. They don't really explain. I feel like they don't explain that all that well in part one. It's explained better in part two. Uh, But because Shogo finds out about this, um, the government forces are after him, led by uh, BD. But uh, at the end of part one, Eve saves Shogo and his friends, and they send, uh, sending them into Bahamut's core. And one of the ships are destroyed, ending the conflict. Uh, but a lot of the other people don't make it. And that's yeah. that's the end of part one and two. Uh, they tell a pretty, pretty together story. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, uh, Aramaki designed the garland, right? Shinji Aramaki, the Mecca, which is pretty popular. They did a really, really nice toy release a few years back. What is your favorite story aspect, or what what do you find fascinating about Megazone Two Three?
1: Oh man, um, there's lots of little things. I mean, Megazone Two Three Part Three gets gets a lot of crap but I personally kind of like it um, because Can I pause
0: you for a second. Cause yep. I had that same, I never, I watched it once a long time ago, but on your latest release, I watched it again and I was like, wow, this is actually really freaking good. There's some piss poor animation at points, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm going to let you continue with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I appreciate it for its um, kind of, you know, late 80s, early 90s take on, you know, what the future of computing would be. Uh, there's some stuff in there that, that looking back at it now, it's like, oh, that's silly, but at the time was like really cool and, and, and innovative. Um, so, you know, there, uh, there's that, that aspect to it. And, and I also liked, you know, how they, they tried to find a way to continue the story but by having that huge like hundreds of years time jump they could go with new characters and 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 so uh, a different director can could then you know put his uh, own vision onto a story in the same um you know kind of timeline mm-hmm. um so uh so i like that um I think some of the animation in, in the first two parts, especially the, um, the, uh, animation of the fights is just absolutely top notch. And, and, and the stuff where the, like the dissolved tentacle robots stuff, you know, it's really, really gruesome stuff. It's pretty graphic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's, just absolutely top notch i mean it's pretty could...
0: amazing well uh just to give everybody a, a heads up on some of that so well, part 1 was uh Noboro shigeru and uh, to in my opinion that one has the smoothest amount of animation through the whole episode right the whole thing's very smooth and then um Itano did was the animation director on part 2 and he's like famous for his animation technique that he um, kind of created during STF Macross, what they call the Atano Circus, like all those crazy explosions and all the crazy action sequences with Max flying his Valkyrie. A lot of that was Atano, right? And uh, in Megazone two, three part two, you see a lot of that because he was the director, but all those scenes with the Dazog, the tentacle of those creatures, which, which remind me a lot of the bots in the matrix movies, the whole matrix story really, leads me to believe that the uh, Wachowskis watched Megazone 2-3 maybe once or twice, because the story of The Matrix is pretty similar. If you took Ghost in the Shell and Megazone 2-3 and put them together, I feel like that's kind of where they got the idea for The Matrix.
1: Well, I, I don't know you know, if, if they were inspired by it uh, or if uh, it's just independent creation. Um, I I think it was Picasso who said that uh, good artists borrow and great artists steal. Um, And so I I don't really kind of like worry about that kind of, kind of stuff too much. Um, You know, everything that's coming that's in the past influences the the current generation of artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And each generation of artists use the, the, uh, the technologies that they have uh, and, and within the constraints that they're working to do the, the best job that they can. Um, so, like, uh, the, one of the reasons that, that anime, uh, when it really exploded in the, in the late 80s and 90s, um, what became so influential was that in Japan, anime was just a way of, you know, telling a story of making a movie, a movie that would have been live action in the United States because of the budgetary constraints um, would uh, much more likely to be released as anime in Japan. So the directors in Japan that you know would have been a Cameron, you know, uh, or, or the Wachowskis, um, the, instead of doing live action, they naturally went towards anime as a way of expressing their creative visions. Uh, and then that all kind of perc- uh, kind of percolated back around, uh, to, uh, to other parts of the world. And then that then re-influenced uh anime and so it's it's this it's this big spin cycle.
0: Yeah, it's really neat to see how that happens. It's kind of like with Bubblegum Crisis, if you're familiar with Western science fiction movies from the early 80s and you watch Bubblegum Crisis, you can see the influence of Blade Runner, Terminator. There's a lot going on in then but but Bubblegum Crisis also had its own thing, but it, it mixes all that really well. Um I know is that when I first saw it, it blew me away and I I noticed the influence from those movies, but I could see how the influence comes, it comes back and forth world, worldwide in a circle through art, you know, influencing each other to tell interesting stories. I just thought when I saw part two, I hadn't seen that in a long time. I was like, oh man, I wonder if that's where the, you know, not on, not that they were stealing, you know, to make the matrix, but definitely inspired. I mean, even the storyline of people living this life that they think is a normal life. And then somebody, when Shogo finds out and he tells people, they're like, what are you talking about? My friend just went to Australia or something. Well, it turns out that people don't actually leave. They get hypnotized to think that they go somewhere. And that's what they tell everybody. And I thought that was a pretty cool uh, explanation. Um, And I I like what you mentioned about part three. How they, they said it so far in the future that they could still tell a story with this universe, but move on to another storyline, something that more American movie franchises should probably think about doing instead of trying to hold on to these actors till they're falling apart (laughs) to play these characters. Um, And we had, you have three kind of really seminal directors from this and and there's talk of them doing a sequel of Megazone two three or a new series have you heard anything about that
1: uh i i've i've heard uh you know people talking about it um you know i i can't really discuss it too much um but it's something i'm i'm sure uh, i would like to see and and a lot of other people would like to see
0: yeah i feel like that's going to be pretty big thing and and probably get a lot more people looking for your box set that they should get on ordering
1: well they'll be out of luck because uh you know it's a limited edition we only make enough to to sell the to the kickstarter people plus some extras um we we usually you know kind of say well we want to make enough extras so that we can sell it for a year or a year and a half and uh I think I've got like 200 left.
0: (laughs) Was this one of your, uh, fastest, one of your biggest, fastest selling Kickstarter projects?
1: Well, it wasn't the biggest project. The biggest project in terms of like the actual size of the pressing was, um, gunsmith cats. Uh, but, uh, in terms of, uh, exceeding our expectations of like how the sales would be after the Kickstarter. Um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, is considerably stronger than um, uh, than the previous um, things we've done. I mean, what we basically do is like we, like I said, we make enough, so that we can sell the limited edition for a year, year and a half or so, whatever, uh, after the, the Kickstarter shipment happens. And then when it goes out of print, uh, we think about, well, do we wanna do a sort of a, uh, a regular edition that you know gets sold everywhere? Um, and uh, like so far only Bubblegum Crisis has gotten to that point. And so now we have like a regular uh, Blu-ray version of Bubblegum. Um, but Megazone looks like it's going to hit that point. You know, if I say six
0: months, it'll be three. If I say three months, it'll be six. (laughs) Just at some point, we'll just keep our eyes peeled. If you haven't got one, go to animego.com. Grab it now while you can. The video quality is worth it. The animation is amazing. The extras, if you get the premium edition, if you're an anime buff, you kind of have to i feel like there's no other yeah um, well the 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 premium set right
1: right now the premium set's a little bit out of stock because oh there we go well (laughs) no the way we do these things is like we have a limited edition a a single pressing of the actual blu-rays okay but um the blu-ray that that's the basic set the premium set is a nice box and the, the Blu-ray and an art book. Okay. Um, So the way the production works is that the boxes um, making extra boxes doesn't, is almost for free because uh, you get price breaks and uh, it's with, with, With that kind of thing, you know, the first one costs a thousand bucks and then they're like 50 cents each after that kind Mm. of because because of all the tooling they have to do to make the box of a custom size. Um, So it didn't really cost us that much extra to make extra boxes. So we have like tons of extra boxes, enough that we we could turn every one of our remaining Blu-rays into a premium set if we wanted to. But the other part of that is the, the art book and, um, the art books are, uh, are printed on demand by a very nice printer called Bookmobile that, um, uh, um, uh, that makes them for us. And so we printed enough to handle the pre-orders plus, um, you know, I think we had a couple ex- hundred extra premium sets and we blew through those. So now I've had, just had to tell Bookmobile, hey, print me some more art books so I can make oh, more okay. premium sets.
0: There may be some more available later, but-
1: Oh, they, they definitely will. In fact, uh, the, the art books, uh, I just got the notice yesterday that they're they're in, in UPS to us. So next week sometime, the, the
0: premium sets will be available again. That's great. That's awesome. What other, uh, other than, Megazone two three and Bubblegum Crisis. What other Japanese anime do you see having a big cyberpunk or retro future uh, story or influence that you've seen? Oh goodness gracious! There's there's just like
1: way too much um, to to even think about. Uh, you know, I can I can only really you know talk about. The the titles that we've done. I mean, a lot of people want us to do
0: eighty police. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would buy. Uh, here's what about? Um, so I would I would definitely buy a Blu-ray remaster of that. I have the DVD. Um, I really like that series. I wish they would have done more. What about a uh, Bubblegum Crash? Is that something that can be remastered, or is there a holdup with that project?
1: Um, the pro- the problem there, the last I checked, is materials. But now that That we've discovered that Maddox was available, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that we'll be able to find it, and then it's just a matter of, um, you know, we're a small company. Uh, After 2008, we kind of downsized and and kind of got into this this mode of doing these these special editions, um, you know, and so. We are limited in our you know, capacity to, um, to pump out uh, uh, Blu-ray sets. Uh, so you know, basically, when we're getting close to finishing one set, we start thinking about, like, well, what's the next thing we can do? Um, and uh, one of the reasons we, we went with Maddox, apart from the fact that it's like one of my personal favorites, um, Was that this was one where we would actually be commissioning the the new transfer, and that's not something we'd ever actually done before because in all in all the previous Blu-rays that we've been doing, the there'd already been a Japanese Blu-ray release, but with Maddox there hasn't been. Um, So we that's exciting. Yeah, well, you know, so I we got to you know got to see the process. Uh, that that kind of process of getting the the film transfer done so like I have this wonderful HD film transfer now of Maddox and I can I'm already seeing like all the little things they did in there and some of the mistakes
0: And I, I saw your, uh, I got a link to check out the pre-release Kickstarter and uh, one of the goals, let's talk about the process you're going to do for that next box set because I think people would be interested. It's in a similar genre. We've got Shinji Aramaki directing it, who was the director of Megazone 2, Three Part 2. I mean, that guy's, that guy's an anime grandfather as far as like, or not grandfather, but godfather. I mean, mecha design, characters, storytelling. He's done a little bit of all and he's done it all really well. Um he's he was a director on that series and one of your goals on that kickstarter was to have him redirect or fix a scene or two in there do i remember that right seeing that on your test page. yeah
1: okay well um you know aramaki loves maddox he absolutely loves it uh there's whenever you you do something uh when you look back at it uh you know, with perspective, you see the, all the things that, Oh, if I had a little more time or more money, um, you know, I would have changed this. I would have fixed that. Um, and, uh, there's one very short, um, scene in particular is where there's an animation filming mistake where they, they put the cells in wrong. Um, and, that that he's like wanted to fix for like Forever. 30 yeah <laughs> 30 years um so one of the nice things about the kickstarter model is that um we can spend a lot more on the actual production than we can if we were just selling it directly uh, like through amazon or any place like that because you know because we're not selling wholesale, we're selling retail, which means that there's there's more money for budget to do things um, which makes some projects feasible in the first place but in particular um, it makes it possible for us to to uh, to go back and, and do crazy stuff. So one of the things is that uh, we're going to have a stretch goal um, that uh, if the fans decide that that's how uh, they want the money to be spent, um, uh, Mr. Aramaki is going to go back in and, and fix um, a couple of sequences. You know, he, he's got like his hit list of like, this is my most important one I want to fix in the second and third. And so basically we're going to give him a budget. He's going to just go through and, and tweak as much as, um, as much as he can. And then we're going to put both versions the original and the
0: um the director's cut kind of
1: director's remix version on the on the blu-ray um so like at every level uh, of of kind of correction and upgrading and and revisiting that version is going to be on the blu-ray so people can compare them that's amazing now no it's completely silly <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I think it's all so, but, but but we can do it. I was gonna say so. The back then though, they were shooting they were shooting this all on actual film, frame by frame, on a film camera, right? And your masters are coming from film. When he goes to redo or re edit or remake these scenes, are they gonna just edit them from that scan on a digital yes yeah. apparatus, or is he gonna reanimate on digital and splice in onto the digital master?
1: He's, he's going to uh, take the, uh, the new digital transfer and uh, he's basically going to, the, there are going to be some frames that he has to create from scratch and he's going to, you know, redraw them and, and uh, match the grain and everything like that so that it's seamless. But he's going That's to do amazing. it, he's going to, basically he's going to do it all in Photoshop.
0: That's amazing. That's going to, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to see that. That's really cool. Well,
1: you got to get a lot of people to to back the project so that we've got the budget
0: to do it. Let's do it. We will do it. I think that's going to be great. Let's see. Uh, Megazone. So Megazone's your current release. We're talking about Maddox, which is going to be your next Kickstarter release. Is there anything else down the pipeline that you guys are looking at or thinking about? Or is it just you you said you kind of finish one and then you do the next one you kind of work on that one until you find the next one.
1: Yeah. We, we've got a queue of, of things. Uh, I never talk about stuff until I'm actually ready to, to, you know, I've got everything completely locked down and I'm ready to go um, because I don't want to disappoint people. Um, Right. But, you know, we have a queue and it's basically, you know, at a certain point when we're, you know, we're, we, we can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel for the current project, and we know that it's not an oncoming uncoming train, then um, we, we look at the queue and say, like, you know, what do we really think we should do next? And, and that's what we do.
0: All right, I'm going to ask you a super nerdy anime question, Robert. Would you rather have the motorcycle plus hard suit that Pris has in Bubblegum Crisis or the Garland from MegaZone 2 3 as a real vehicle that you could drive around in? Hmm. That's tough.
1: Um, The garland seems like more drivable. (laughs) But there is one scene in Bubblegum Crisis 6 that has always been like one of my absolute like favorites. It's the one where uh, it's where the the scene where Pris heads off to confront uh, Largo.
0: Oh yeah, and
1: she she jumps off the building. uh, You know, she goes off the building, and and the Moto Slave kind of
0: like transforms around her, transforms
1: around her, encapsulates her, and then poof, off she goes. And I just thought that that was just an amazing scene. Um, If I was doing a live action Bubblegum Crisis, I would put that scene in the trailer. Right. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that's a great, I like both, but I think the Garland, if I were to have one in, you know, in real life, uh, I like that I don't have to wear a body armor while I'm driving it, you know, to transform, yeah. although the, the body armor could come in handy, but, um, it is kind of a bulkier bike though. It, it looks pretty large. It almost looks like a motorcycle with two sidecars built on it. It's, it's a very large vehicle.
1: Yeah. Um. Now, interestingly, um, uh, Mr. Aramaki, um, it, you know, of course, he loves his Maddox. He loves him, his Maddox. Um, and uh, what he also apparently loves are Teslas.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah he, he wants a Tesla really bad. Um, and so... I, I I've been teasing him and saying, well, we'll put a stretch goal in, in the, the campaign <laughs> that um for for you to animate a Tesla transforming into a Maddox and you can and, and we'll pay you to do that and then you can use that money to go to put the down payment on your Tesla. But I don't think he has the time to do it, unfortunately.
0: That's great. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm just glad that there is Companies like Animago, um, Made in Japan, uh, Discotech, you guys are bringing out like classic anime, like preservation basically, because otherwise nobody would see any of this stuff. And and they're bringing out these remasters and these deluxe sets with artwork. Um, it's, It's a very niche market but i know of other fans like me that are very appreciative of all this and that that appreciate the art and the history that has gone in to anime so i'm very grateful for your company and like i said you've i've been following you guys since i was in high school so it's a good like 30 years that i've been buying animego products (laughs) um let's be i'm on my third copy of bubblegum crisis so and we thank you for
1: your support.
0: <laughs> but anyway, this has been a blast, Robert. I am so stoked about this Megazone 2-3 box that I've told everybody to, to check it out. Um, if there was anything else coming up news-wise, would they find it on uh, animago.com?
1: Actually, the you know, the website, we're usually pretty up-to-date, but the place to, to find stuff out... Um, you know, especially kind of like goofy stuff is is Twitter at uh, Animego, A N I M um, E I G O. You know, I you know if I have news, I'm going to post it there. Um, and uh, sometimes the news is is pretty strange, so we we try to be entertaining on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I don't. I, I had a Twitter for a while. I don't really use it too much. I, I follow your guys's uh, Facebook page. I don't even get on there too much. Um, and you're thinking maybe next month the Kickstarter for Maddox might launch.
1: Yeah, that's that's what we're planning on. Um, of course, you know, uh, pl- uh, plans rarely survive contact with the enemy, but uh, uh, that's. Uh, that's definitely,
0: you know, what we'd like to do. Right. I can't wait. That's one, like I said, I missed, I grabbed it on VHS and for some reason I kept skipping the DVD, skipping the DVD. Now it's out of print. I can probably find it on eBay, but at this point, I might just wait for the uh, remaster so I can just bask in its HD. Oh yeah. You're, glory. You're,
1: you're, uh, the, the, the video quality is really high. Uh, we're also going to include a 16 by nine version on the disc just because we can.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah, well, right. Because it, it was it was a 4.3. It, it's it's four
1: three, but you know, um, a two K transfer, uh, film transfer, um, is such that uh, you can you can take a, a nineteen twenty by ten eighty, you know, frame and not uh, not have to zoom any pixels. In fact, you're still uh, slightly um, compressing, you know, in the pixels. Um, so uh, we looked at it and uh, we talked with uh, director Aramaki, and uh, it turns out that it works really well as sixteen by nine. I mean, you have to go like cut by cut and. And adjust the the center vertically right. to to maximize the information, but there isn't a single cut in the entire film where you lose anything of like significance when you go and take a, do a sixteen by nine framing of it. Um, so I actually spent uh, you know three or four days a couple of weeks ago uh, running through the entire film. Um, and, and reframing it to 16 by 9, and it works really well. And, um, you know, if the Kickstarter succeeds, which of course we hope it will, um, then um, the director, Aramaki, will, will like give it a once over to make sure that he approves. And um, once he approves of it, that that'll be included on the Blu ray as well.
0: That's going to be great. I can't wait to see that. Well, Robert, I just want to—I can't even thank you enough for coming on to the Retro Futures podcast to talk about Megazone Two, Three, and about the projects you've done with Animago and your upcoming project maddox One with director Shinji Aramaki. Uh, do you have any last words for our audience here? Spend money at our website. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I—I I can't fault that your company, like I said, high quality you get a really good material and uh yeah it's amazing if you're an anime buff definitely check out animego.com there's something for everybody um if you like guns and cars they have gunsmith cats and riding bean if you like something just fun they've got a Taco No video um if you like your cyberpunk stuff check out bubblegum crisis bubblegum crash 80 police and megazone 2-3 if you like samurai and ninja live action movies there's a bunch of those to check out as well uh, great company great products thanks for being on the show robert i look forward to having you back on when maddox is either ready to ship or out and about in the wild i think that'll be another fun conversation
1: okay great i appreciate it
0: all right thanks everybody for listening to ruminations radio network this is optimus from the retro future culture podcast and we will talk to you again soon Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.